Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of LaRue's Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and behind me is always Derek Brissett. Derek, we are just a few days away from the World Cup. How excited are you? Uh, yeah, this is like Christmas, but like 30 times better because it's a month and two months long, basically, um, and is all rugby related. So, uh, yeah, I'm fired up for it. It's going to completely mess up my sleep schedule. Um, super fired up for all the 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. games. Um, but uh, Canada actually, like, looking at Canada's schedule, at least if you live in the uh, the east, uh, you know, the eastern time zone or even further east, might not actually be that bad. Got a couple 6 a.m. games. Got one, like, uh, the last game against Namibia, I think, is a, a, like 11.15 which, p.m., which isn't that bad. So hopefully it doesn't mess up the sleep schedule too much, but um it's definitely going to be worth it my my like uh, there's a little part of me that hopes that like my daughter's sleep just goes to the shitter so i'm up at like 5 a.m anyways and i'm like well we're awake kiddo we can watch some rugby yeah Uh, well there you go and then you can you know get her started young too. be like oh she's already watched so much rugby it's not even funny she's watched so much rugby uh but we are gonna we are gonna jump back before we get get her to memorize the haka that's gotta get get her to that point where she's performing the haka for fun. Oh, I would love it. Uh, we're gonna jump back a little bit though because we did miss a uh, uh, an important game that Canada just played in. Um, they had their final tune-up game against the U.S. It was actually quite a close game, and uh, it was probably one of Canada's best performances um, since announcing their uh, kind of larger scope roster. So, Derek. My first question is you to you is what did Canada do, do right this time? You know the, the game was uh, it was decided by an unconverted try. So what did Canada do this game that they've been failing to do in their other games? Uh, yeah, well, I think I'm going to uh, you know borrow the uh, that saying from Mike Babcock where it's uh, start on time, um, which uh, <laughs> they definitely did in this one. Um, so I mean like the Canada obviously in the couple games throughout the PNC um, that game against Leinster, uh, Leinster especially as well uh, they got off to really slow starts um, dug themselves a hole really early and uh, you know it, it kind of showed in uh, a few times where it was like you know the Tonga was able to develop the big lead that even though Canada played much better in the second half it was like they dug themselves too big of a hole to climb back out of um, Leinster kind of had the same thing too they went down 19 nothing super early on in the game and then, you know, had to climb their way back out of that hole as well. Um, but I think, you know, it was great to see that, you know, Canada actually, they started off with some, uh, with, uh, the most intensity I've seen out of this group uh, in, uh, probably in all of 2019 anyways. Um, they, you know, they were able to, you know, put up, uh, put Gordon McCrory, uh, put up a nice little box kick. Uh, DTH Vandermerver had a great kick chase on it. They're able to put a lot of pressure on the uh, the USA back three there immediately, um, and uh, Vandermeer was able to create a create a turnover from that, and uh, McCrory ended up picking up a try about 90 seconds into the game. Um, so Canada was able to really like at the start of the game they were really able to they hit the uh, all the breakdowns they hit with intensity, um, guys like Ardron, Rumball, Bailey. Um, they were all um, getting into the dirty areas like really quickly. They um, were getting there faster than the Americans. They were hitting harder than the Americans uh, when they arrived there as well. And they were coming up with a handful of uh, turnovers and really making life difficult for uh, Team USA early. 
um, Peter Nelson uh, did something that um, I haven't really seen a whole lot of um, out of Canada, which is, you know, a little bit of creativity after a penalty by taking the, the quick tap to go to the corner. Um, the super bizarre thing about that play was there's a cameraman two feet away from you. I still do not understand how they didn't have a camera angle to review that try. Uh, I'm not complaining about it, but it just seemed, seemed like an odd thing that they wouldn't have a camera angle of. Um, but yeah, but the, uh, the point, the, the main point of that though, is obviously, you know, Nelson, um, caught the States off guard, which is something that, um, Canadian scrum halves and fly halves have been struggling to I've been struggling to do um, so far this year. So um, this, the big thing to me was the start. Um, that's essentially what Canada did. Uh, the biggest thing that they did right was they came out and they started with a bang, um, which was really nice to see given, um, you know, all the, the big deficits they found themselves in early in games uh, up until this point. And uh, I, I agree with you. The creativity, the, the, the patience with the ball – especially the, the place kicking that they were they were using as a, an offensive strategy was really impressive. Um, unfortunately, you know, sometimes kicking has been an issue with Canada and it was an issue in the second half. But uh, who impressed you from both teams? Um, I know for me, I was really, really happy with how Jeff Hassler played. Um, I really enjoyed watching him play this game. Uh, unfortunately, the last play of the game, he's a little isolated in that kind of Sucked for Canada, but um, someone that I was impressed with with the U.S. was Martin Isofo, uh, the seven star that uh, really has kind of taken that one wing position and made it his own. Uh, he played well in the first game against Canada, and he also played well, I believe, in this game. So who was someone from Canada and the U.S. that really impressed you, Derek? Ah, you uh, you stole my uh, my American pick there uh, with Isle uh, Seffel. Uh, I thought he's he's uh, he's been really good. I mean, obviously, he came over from the uh, the sevens program as well, and I think, you know, I think his his transition to the fifteens game is going really well for the Americans, um, you know, and going into the World Cup, uh, he he could be one of those guys that has a huge uh, breakout tournament here. Um, for Canada, uh, I think uh, Mike Shepard I thought was outstanding once he came on the um, off the, um, off the bench uh, when Justin Blanchett unfortunately went down with his injury that is now going to be keeping him out of the Rugby World Cup. So um, that's really unfortunate for Blanchette. Um, but uh, Shepard came on, and I thought, and honestly, I he picked up the men of the match um, completely well-deserved. Um, he just was unbelievable in defense, um, made a number of absolutely massive hits, um, really brought the, brought a lot of intensity for um, the Canadian side. Um, that would, uh, for the Canadian side, that really helped elevate um, the Canadian game. Um, uh, Patrick Parfrey, um, I also thought was out, uh, was outstanding as well. Um, this game really, um, had a ton of kicking in it, um, from both sides. I think the, um, both like Canada was obviously using the box kick, um, let's say a little too often. Um, uh, but USA was, uh, doing it back though up there for sure as well. Um, so Patrick Parfrey, I thought was excellent. He, uh, I don't believe had a drop, um, on a kick underneath the high ball, um, he was so he was able to maintain possession for Canada. Um, he was constantly able to get his hands on the ball, and um, and it, it was really great to see. And I think um, Parfrey has over the last um, handful of games here has really kind of um, dev- shown that he is the well deserving of the starting fifteen jersey uh, when we take on Italy um, at the World Cup next week. 
Um, so I, th- I think uh, I was really impressed with his performance as well. I thought overall, I thought this was Canada's best game, uh, especially their best game of 2019. Um, I guess maybe ignoring Chile. Um, <laughs> but I thought, but um, I thought this was, I, I mean, ignoring the, ignoring the team that you should beat 57 to nothing. Um, this was their best game. Uh, there was just, I think the, the forwards were all great. I thought Ardron played really well. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought Ardron played really well. The front row was good. Um, the, the only thing it's like, you could see that after Blanchett and Bailey went down, the, the lineouts, um, really started to kind of dip in their, their quality. Um, it almost, Bailey's obviously the, the guy that, um, calls which lineout play, um, Canada's going to go with. Um, and it kind of looked like, um, when Blanchett was when Blanchett was in the lineup, and then when he came out for Shepard, there was a little bit of confusion on that first lineout. And then when Bailey was out, there was a handful of lineouts throughout the game that just kind of seemed like guys didn't really know what play was happening. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully Bailey's not out for too long. Obviously, Blanchett got taken off the roster and replaced with uh, Josh Larson, uh, but hopefully that's something that they can uh, clean up. And I also think, you know, there was there was just a little too much box kicking um, in the game. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of plays where, you know, Canada's defense did a great job. Guys like Rumble, Ardron, Olmstead would create turnovers and then, you know, would create turnovers. And then the next phase, it would just be McCrory box kicking possession away. And um, and I, I don't know if that, I don't necessarily think that that's a. Uh, like it's it's obviously you don't want to put a blanket term on it and be like never box kick, but I think uh, I think Canada showed that it's like they they kind of used it a little too much, and I think ultimately you know kicking away possession constantly to the United States, I think you know as uh, the game hit the 60th, 70th, and toward the 80th minute, that's kind of started to hurt the team a little bit. Um, so I think I I thought individually a lot of the players played very well. And many of them actually, I thought, had like their best games um, since, you know, the world, um, the, you know, since the conclusion of the ARC and the Pacific Nations Cup and like the hardcore immediate preparation for the World Cup. Um, it was just I think there's just, you know, some, some strategic things that still need to get uh, shored up on. And uh, hopefully, you know, they're able to do that and hopefully they can maybe even take advantage of that little bit of extra time off being the uh, group, uh, excuse me, being the pool B team that has the uh, first round of games off. And I think that's something you mentioned, that there was a lot of confusion. And that is going to be one of the questions that we'll, we'll quickly talk about when we talk about Canada's expectations for this World Cup is the injuries. Um, but my last question about uh, about that game was, Mike Shepard was named man of, the, man of the match. And, you know, between injuries and everything, is, is he not a lock now to be starting at least the first game against Italy? I mean, we don't. It, there's reports saying that Kyle Bailey's not going to be ready. I mean, what else has he got to do to say, "Hey, I'm I'm your starting guy"? Uh yeah, I think if, if uh, obviously Blanchett uh, being hurt kind of throws an interesting wrench into that. I think it, it realistically it comes down to what uh, Kingsley Jones wants to do. Um, if Kyle Bailey's healthy, um, you can make uh, the like. Obviously, you're kind of look, kind of looking at um at, at Locke. Anyways, you're looking at Olmstead, Shepard, and Bailey. Um, if Kingsley Jones decides to go with the option of uh, maybe putting Kyle Bailey um, in the back row instead of Matt Heaton, uh, maybe like that, obviously Shepard starts if he goes to do that. If Bailey's just still injured for the uh, the game against Italy, um, 
then obviously Mike Shepard starts. Um, if Bailey's good to go, though, you obviously got to have um, Kyle Bailey in the lineup. Um, and that's just going to, I think that's just going to come down to whether uh, as, a, uh, as Kyle Bailey is a player that can play both in the second row and the back row. Um, I think that's just going to come down to what Kingsley Jones wants. And I think based on the way that Mike Shepard has been playing, I would start him at lock. And if Kyle Bailey's healthy, uh, do your back row as um, Bailey Heat, or sorry, excuse me, Bailey Rumble and uh, Ardron. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to get right into it then because we are talking lineups and we are talking what Kingsley Jones is thinking. So we're now going to talk about our World Cup preview. And, you know, we've spent many a podcast talking about lineups and stuff. So we're not going to talk about that so much. But what I want to ask you, Derek, is dealing with these injuries, you know, not too many of them are, are serious. You know, and Blanchett really has, has played very well. But what is Canada's realistic expectation for this world cup yeah i think uh you know canada canada got drawn into a very difficult pool in pool b and i think you know even if you had if you had everybody a hundred percent healthy um like a hundred percent healthy playing at the absolute best of their ability you're gonna get killed by the all blacks and spring box that's you know that's kind of you know step one you're losing you know, barring the biggest upset in the history of sports, you're losing at least two games here. Um, Canada is obviously going to be targeting the games against Italy and Namibia. Um, the thing with Italy, though, is, you know, Italy is a tier one nation. Um, so the, Canada's got to go up against three tier one teams um, in this pool, which is incredibly tough. Um, Italy, Italy's test record over the last, you know, few years looks really bad. Um, you know, they only got like, uh, they only, you know, I think they're, they're one in nine in their last 10 test matches. And that one is, that one win was when they killed Russia. Um, but like when you consider the fact that they play the other six, the other five, six nation countries all the time, um, you know, someone's, it's, it's just, somebody has to be the worst team in the six nations. And right now that that's Italy. Um, but as I think the, what they showed with that game against Russia is they are very capable of destroying tier two teams still. Um, so I think, you know, I think you're kind of looking at um, realistic expectation is, you know, you're probably going to lose to Italy. You're definitely going to lose to the All Blacks and the Springboks. Um, so I think you're uh, like... You can maybe beat Italy if Italy has an off game and Canada and Canada plays much, you know, Canada plays the best game that they can possibly play, which is something that we definitely haven't seen in 2019, anyways. Um, so yeah, their their best chance for a win is definitely going to become in the last game, going to become against Namibia, um, and you know, Namibia is a team that, you know, they qualify for the World Cup um, so frequently, largely because they're, you know, they're clearly the second best. Um, African country at rugby um, behind the Springboks. Um, it's just, you know, which is probably a statement that says more about, you know, the quality of the other African nations than necessarily about Namibia being, you know, a great team. Um, but Namibia just, you know, they've kind of frequently um, beat on teams like Kenya, Tanzania, um, Morocco. Um, so it's, you know, they, they are a little bit, they didn't even they played a few test matches um at the nation's cup in the build-up they actually beat uruguay 
Um, but you know, they didn't even, they didn't play a test match in the last like three months. They played, or not sorry, three months, maybe a little off in the last like month, month or two in the build up to the, um, world cup. They played two games against the Southern Kings and a game against the Sharks invitational 15. They did win all three of those games, but it's not really like those games aren't really at test level. Um, so Namibia might be coming in a little underprepared. There was some, um, their uh, former captain, um, Ronaldo Bo- uh, Bothma, um, was a kind of a shock exclusion from the team at the end. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Namibia is able to actually bring to the tournament. Um, but, you know, they're the only team in the entire tournament that is actually ranked lower than Canada. Canada being the 22nd ranked team in the world, Namibia being 23rd. Um, so I think, like, you know, it's you can definitely target that game Um you definitely target that game for a game to win. Um, you should be able to win that game, but uh, you know, with the way Canada's been playing, um, you can't take Namibia lightly. Um, you know, they're only one spot in the rankings below you, and uh, they've been playing. Uh, you know, maybe it's not the same quality of games that Canada has in their preparation of the World Cup, but they've been winning. Um, so uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Namibia and Canada are kind of in the same boat. Um, they're both going to get killed by New Zealand in the Springboks, and then um, they're both going to lose to Italy, although probably not as bad. So it's that final game is going to be to not finish last in the pool. Yeah, and I think that's that. That is the most realistic expectation. I think yeah. uh, you can't really slice it one way or another. I mean, Canada would have to play out of their minds to even get to keep a game close against the All Blacks. Uh, there's only a handful of the guys that are on this this lineup that have ever played a team of that caliber. So it, yeah. it, it is it's, going to be a very interesting World Cup. And, uh, you know, and we might go two years, two World Cups in a row without any wins. And I think people need to prepare for that. I don't want it to be like that, but I think that's how it's, it might go. I think I don't think, you know, it's like you're talking like realistic expectations. Like I'm not expecting Canada to beat Italy, but I don't think that game, like, I don't think, like, that's not like a Japan over Springboks level upset by any stretch of yeah. the imagination. Um, it's like, I think if, if Canada puts their best foot forward, um, you know, they, you know, they put their best foot forward, they can challenge Italy. Um, it's just, they have to, they, it's just, they have to play every, every single player, all 15 guys on the pitch, up to all 23 guys that are put on the jersey that they have to probably play the best game that they've played in 2019, maybe like in order to make that happen. Um, and then, you know, maybe hope that Italy makes a couple mistakes along the way too. And then, yeah, that can become a winnable game. Um, you definitely can't let Italy, uh, you definitely can't let Italy like, you know, get off to a big lead to start the game. Or else that just, you know, you can't allow... We, we just talked about, you know, the, the one thing Canada did really well against the United States was they, you know, they came out the gate as the team uh, that they, they came out of the gate hard, uh, the team that was playing better right away. And they were able to build up a lead. Um, and, you know, you can't let Italy build up a lead early and then just put, put yourself in a hole to start that game. Um, the game against Namibia is, um, you know, that's definitely a winnable game. Um there's um, Namibia is going to be doing the same thing to Canada, though. They're going to be, you know, Namibia, this is going to be Namibia's. Uh, so Namibia came in in 1999 was their first World Cup and they played every World Cup since this, but they haven't been able to earn a victory at the World Cup. 
um, their best performance was with they um, at the last World Cup in 2015. They lost to Georgia by one point, and that was the first time they actually earned a bonus point at the Rugby World Cup as well. So it's you know Namibia, Namibia. It's going to be a game that you know Namibia is going to be looking for that historical moment. Um, they, they like um, to their to in their minds, it's like they probably lucked out by having Canada in their group because it's kind of like you know like you kind of look at the the uh the teams that are uh toward you know ranked towards the bottom of the other pools and it's like you know pool c the group of death you've got like tonga tonga usa um argentina is like those kind of teams that'll be um all kind of um vying for that third spot uh pool d's got fiji georgia and uruguay um and pool a will probably have you know J- um japan scotland uh samoa russia that are all kind of um you know, vying uh, for position there. And, you know, Namibia probably lucked out by having Canada being that one team that's probably, they probably looked at and be like, that that team's within striking distance for us. So um, they're only ranked one spot ahead of us um, in the world rankings. So I'm sure, so that, uh, honestly, like that's probably going to be a really entertaining game um, at the World Cup, just between uh, Canada and Namibia. I think it's always going to be, it's always that last game. It's that last game where Canada may, might show a little bit of magic. Um, now, yeah, I mean, so, sometimes like we've seen it in the World Cups in the past, or it's like sometimes those games between like the, the tier two nations that are kind of, you know, uh, maybe out of the tournament and stuff, that it's like those end up being some of the more entertaining, more competitive um, games. And you actually can kind of end up with some classics out of that. Um, like, I mean, the big, the most important game of this World Cup for Canada is their opener against Italy. Um, if you know, they're obviously their goal is to finish third in the pool and uh, gain that automatic qualification. Um, if they can't beat Italy, um, that dream uh, basically dies with that. Uh, so that's the most important game, and then they're going to lose to the All Blacks of Springboks, and then you have that. Uh, matchup with Namibia. So that's pretty much how uh, I think Canada's World Cup campaign is going to play out. All right. So now we are going to go to, we've got two questions that we're going to talk about this World Cup. The first one is, and I'm going to ask for your heart. This is deep into your soul, Derek. Who do you want to see go all the way? And I'm not talking about New Zealand or Ireland or England or the Springboks. Who is your long shot dark horse doesn't have a hope and prayer, but you want to see them make it to the World Cup final? Um, I mean, like, but I want to see, obviously, I want to see Canada go to it. Um, that's just, you know, I'm Canadian. I'm a huge Canadian rugby fan. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's the obvious answer. Um, and it's solely because of the country that I was born in. Um, beyond Canada, though, um, and I was kind of, uh, you know, earlier today was, uh, looking at the pools, kind of filling out one of those uh, those brackets on uh, the Rugby World Cup's website, and I'm look honestly, I'm kind of looking at Pool A, and I think Japan is capable of upsetting Scotland and moving on to the uh, the quarterfinals. Uh, I think Japan can Japan's going to beat Samoa. They're going to beat Russia. Um, they've been playing some really good rugby as of late. They pumped, uh, you know, they're hosting the World Cup, which is also cool. Um, it's really cool to kind of see, you know, every, all the uh, the, pe- the Japanese people, all the crazy, awesome-looking welcome ceremonies that they've been giving teams. Um, so it'd be really, I think, 
for that reason, it's like, and you know, Japan had the historic win against the Springboks last World Cup. Um, the people of Japan seem to really be embracing being the host of this World Cup. The team is, uh, the team is playing very well. And I mean, like they, you know, they managed to climb into the. Uh, I believe they're tenth in the world rankings now, aren't they? Uh, I think they have climbed into the top ten. Um, so it's like I think, and I think they can. They're definitely capable of beating Scotland, and at the very least, you know, putting themselves in a position to get into um, the the pool stage or get out of the pool stage and into the quarterfinals. So Japan I, is yeah. number ten. Yeah, Japan's tenth. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's a top ten country. Um, they got. They're gonna have the uh, the hometown crowd behind them. Um, you know, it's uh, and you know they already kind of have that reputation of uh, causing major upsets. So uh, you know, hope maybe they can uh, write a little bit of a storybook uh, storybook finish here. You know, that was one of my answers too for the longest time, and I think I've mentioned on this podcast is I really uh, I really want Japan to do well. Um, but there's another country, and again. Other than Canada, that's the obvious choice. Yeah. I want the U.S. to do it. I want the U.S. to go all the way. Don't uh, don't, and, uh, don't tell earful of dirt that they might. They might I know. Get you, let you forget saying that. I know, and I think, and a big part of it is, is we have watched a lot of uh, Major League Rugby, and I have enjoyed watching a lot of these Americans play, and I like how the Americans play. But I think on a grand scale. If the Americans can really make a run out of this, you know, they don't even have to make it to the uh, make it to the uh, World Cup final. If they can make it to the quarters or to the semis, you know, that's a big story that a lot of people are going to latch on to. Um, I think that it really will make an interesting story, and I think that's just. I think that's that's that would be really cool, and I think that's that's gonna be my. Yeah, I mean, That's my to, answer. to be honest, like, I, I never want to cheer for the United States in sports. Um, <laughs> but it, in all honesty, like, you know, as someone, uh, you know, a, a rugby fan in North America um, that is watching, you know, Major League Rugby, I on, honestly, you're probably right, man. Like, the best, the best thing to happen to rugby in North America um, and, like, the MLR is if somebody can go into the World Cup, whether it's, you know, uh, USA, Canada – um yeah uh uruguay even or like um maybe um argentina too but maybe less so because argentina is already a tier one nation and there's not as many argentinian players in uh, major league rugby um but for canada usa or uruguay if one of them can like show up at this world cup and do some damage um that probably is probably it's gonna make major league rugby look really good um so, I mean, like, you know, it'd be cool to see Uruguay maybe upset Fiji or Georgia. Um, they probably don't have much of a chance against Australia or Wales, but it'd be really cool to see them uh, upset Fiji or Georgia. Um, USA, unfortunately, like, uh, as much, I, I really would love to see them um, do some damage too, because it would uh, increase the profile of the league. It would hopefully it would get more rugby on TV in North America, but it just sucks that they ended up in the group of death. Um, you know, their their group has France, England, Argentina, and Tonga in it. Um, so, I mean, like, it's kind of a similar situation to Canada. They got to deal with three tier one nations. Um, so, it's, like, it, it'll, it'll be challenging. It'd be great to see them, like, I mean, they can, they can beat Tonga. Um, the way that Tonga's been playing lately, um, especially, like, 
you know, I know I know it was against the All Blacks, but that that game against the All Blacks where they lost ninety two to seven, um, like they like Tongan teams in the past have played the All Blacks and made the All like and actually made the game interesting and competitive. Um, the Tongan team um, that played the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago that's going to the World Cup looks like they didn't belong on a rugby pitch anywhere near um, the All Blacks, um, which you know um, they they have been. Um, they have been they have been struggling a lot uh, a lot lately. So USA can definitely beat Tonga um, if they can get an upset over Argentina. That would be insane. Um, uh, that would be insane. So um, uh, yeah, I I that would be cool. I'm not gonna lie. As much as I don't like cheering for the United States in sports, uh, that's that's a good call. Japan or USA, I think uh, I think would be the the ideal outcome here for a dark horse team. This is it. The official three dark horse teams from LaRouge Rugby. Canada, the U.S., and Japan. Those will be the teams. And if you're a listener, let's cheer the hell out of these guys to make some waves. Uh, the last thing uh, we're going to do before we move on to quick MLR news is we're going to talk about who we actually think are going to do it and who are going to make it. So what we're going to do is, rug- like uh, Derek mentioned, the Rugby World Cup website has a bracket selector. So what we're going to do is I've just selected my pool brackets and the quarterfinals and the final. So we're going to, I'm going to go through mine and then Derek's going to go through his and we're going to see if we matched up, if one of us is just crazy or not. So in pool A, we've got Ireland, Scotland, Japan, Russia, and Samoa. I picked Ireland and Scotland to move on. Yeah. Uh, like I, like I just said, um, I think Japan can upset Scotland and you know, they got that home field advantage. So I'm going with uh, Ireland wins the group and uh, Japan takes second to go to the quarterfinals. Okay. Pool B, that's a slam dunk. New Zealand, South Africa. There's almost, there's just no way. Yeah. Unless unless yeah. Italy really surprises the Springboks. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. no way. New Zealand, yeah, it's, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, that's, that's going to be, uh, that's, yeah, that's, it's, I, I don't even have any other analysis for that. I mean, I think, honestly, Pool, pool B, uh, you can probably go, I think it's probably the easiest pool to pick the full standings on. Uh, oh, yeah. New Zealand, South oh, yeah. Africa, Italy, and I'm going to take Canada to beat Namibia. There's your standings. Yes. It's, it's an easy pool to call. Yeah. Now, Pool C for me was tricky. Um, I originally had England winning the pool and then France coming in second. But, you know... I kept on thinking about that Argentina game against the All Blacks. And if Argentina can play like that, if they can have a strong couple of games, especially against France, who are super unpredictable, I think Argentina is going to make it out of the pool stage. So I've got England and Argentina. Yeah, um, you know what? I'm going to go with the uh, France is super unpredictable. Um, so I'm going to take them to win the group, and then England comes second. Oh, uh, oh wow. France, France is going to French in the best way possible at this World Cup. And you know what? France has Frenched so many times, so I wouldn't be surprised. All right, Pool D. Um, I don't think there's any question about the two teams that are going to move on. Uh, I have Wales at number one winning the pool, and then Australia – coming in second yeah I, I i did the same i think uh pool d to be honest with you i think is one of those um from a, a tier two rugby perspective is probably the most interesting um you know i think like yeah it uh fiji georgia uruguay it's like that there's uh uruguay has got uh got a really good team and i mean they've had uh you know major league rugby has been a big help to them they got a lot of pro- full-time professionals on the team now 
Um, so, I mean, you know, if they can give uh, Fiji or Georgia a good run, that could uh, really create some chaos in the uh, uh, bottom three there as uh, they, those three teams kind of compete for uh, that automatic qualification to uh, France in uh, 2023. So now we're going to move into the quarterfinals quickly. So the first quarterfinal, for me, it yeah. would be England versus Australia. For you, it would be France versus Australia. Australia, yeah. So uh, I have I have England beating Australia. Yeah, I ha- I got uh, France beating Australia. I'm go- I'm going full in on the uh, the France the best France is going to show up here. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, uh, quarterfinal two is New Zealand versus Scotland for me, and then for Derek it would be Japan. And New Zealand went moving on. It's just. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I I know we were talking about him being the dark horse or whatever, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's the it's the All Blacks, man. Although, it's what a story! Going. I mean, in Tokyo Stadium in Tokyo, if Japan can pull oh, off, that would be the biggest upset in sports. Period. Like it would be. It would be. Period. Uh, like you know what it's like. I'm kind of like looking at it. If you did have it, Japan's road to the uh, to the World Cup could be like insane. If you actually, if you actually did want to go with the you know the Cinderella story here. So yeah, like you said, you'd have to have Japan. Let's say wins the group. Let's give them second in the group, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they finish first in the group, it's worse because they got to play Iron. Like you, you kind of got to play either like Pool A having to play Pool B. It's like you, regardless of whether you finish first or second. Um, it's really not great. You're playing New Zealand or South Africa yeah. for, in the quarterfinal. Um, then, you know, you can move on to the, uh, you look like you move on to the semifinal. You're going to play the winner of, you know, you can play Australia in the semifinal. You can play France. You can play England. You can play Wales. It's your semifinal, yeah. depending on how the pool actually breaks down. So, I mean, realistically, um, Japan could go, they could beat the all, like, in a way, they could beat the All Blacks. Um, and then you, they could end up having to beat uh, Wales. Um, yeah, in the, yeah. Depending on how this actually plays out, you could go All Blacks Wales Springboks on your way to a uh, on your way to a World Cup. So uh, we'll, um, yeah. But maybe that's, crazy. Yeah. That's, what's the next? All right. So the so next one, I have France and New Zealand moving on. What do you? Yeah. That's the next game. Uh, the next one would be quarterfinal three. Uh, I have Wales versus Argentina. Uh, so. So you would have Wales versus England. Yeah. Uh, I have Wales moving on. Me too. Uh, and then in the last quarterfinal, we both have Ireland and South Africa. Uh, I have Ireland moving on. Oh, oh, dude, yeah. Nah, I don't think the uh, I don't think that quarterfinal curse is going to end, man. Um, I think I that's think, gonna. Uh, I you know no matter no matter how. Pool B plays out. Obviously, whoever wins that opening game between South Africa and New Zealand is going to win the pool. Um, regardless of who Ireland has to play, their Ireland's going to lose in the quarterfinals again. Oof. All right. So my semifinal is uh, New Zealand versus England. Uh, I have New, Ze- New Zealand winning. And then pool uh, semifinal two, I have Wales versus Ireland. And I have Ireland winning. So my World Cup final is Ireland versus New Zealand. Yeah, and uh, my World Cup final, um, I had uh, New Zealand beating France in the semis and South Africa beating Wales. So uh, get the little 
I have the classic uh, all black spring box final. Well, you know what? We're not going to talk about who we think is going to win the World Cup. We'll give it a little bit of time. Maybe we'll give our announcement when we actually have the actual bracket ready for us in a, in a few weeks or so. Uh, but that's, uh, so, that's... So, all right. I, I apparently have more courage than Dan does. South Africa is going to win the World Cup. All right. Well, then I'm going to say Ireland's going to win the World Cup. You know what? I was actually when I was actually filling out my uh, my bracket, I kind of was like, you know, like with the way the two teams have been playing, I'm like, man, South Africa can beat the All Blacks, and I was yeah. like in the pool yeah. stage, and I had it in the pool stage of South Africa beating the All Blacks and finishing one, and then I kind of filled out the rest of my bracket and ended up with like, because I was also kind of like, yeah, South Africa can win the World Cup, like I think they're the best team in the world at the moment. Fafta Clerk is the best scrum half in the world. He's playing really well. Um, they got one of the best packs. Their backs are insane. Um, and they're playing incredibly well. They've just been, you know, uh, since the new coach got hired, they've just been on a steady, steady rise. Um, as, and they seem to be kind of peaking at the right time. So I was like, yeah, I can have them winning the World Cup. And then I realized that they would be in the final against New Zealand. And I went back and changed it so that New Zealand wins the fir- the pool game. Because I'm like, ah, are they actually going to beat them twice in one World Cup? That seems somewhat unlikely or strange. So I was like, ah, I'll change that. I'll give New Zealand the pool win. And then South Africa can still win the World Cup. Uh, I just, you know what? Ireland had a rough... Um, Six Nations uh, and there are a lot of injuries that are building up, important injuries building up right now um, and some choice decisions like Devin Toner not being picked but I just feel like this world this this last World Cup cycle has just been a build up of what Ireland is trying to accomplish and it's beating the All Blacks because they have, I know they've got the confidence that they could beat any of the other teams but I've seen them in different tournaments in test matches work on certain points of their game to develop to get into one point, and that is a World Cup final. So I I I, I feel pretty confident with my decision. I think I think I think we got we number got, one team in the world right now. So I mean I can't. Yeah, remember. I mean it's not a hard hard choice. Although I have the number one team in the world getting bounced in the quarterfinal again because yeah I don't know how I I don't know how I feel about that. The last time we brought up our ancestry. Uh, the Leinster lost in the Heineken Cup, so we're not going to go there. Um, but we are going to move on. Uh, we will be uh, posting uh, podcasts about the World Cup. Uh, most most of it will be about coverage about the Canadian team, so uh, stay tuned for, for that. But in the last week or so, there has been a good amount of MLR news that we want to touch on quickly. Um, the first bit is about the Toronto Arrows. Um, they announced that their academy program uh, we'll start in January of 2020. Um, in the press release, they said that the non-residential academy will operate in two training areas in 2020 with locations in the GTA. Looks like they're going to cover ground in both the east and the west part of the Toronto area. And uh, they, it will be overseen by uh, Arrow's coach, Corey Hector. Now, Derek, we don't have a lot of information about it, so we're not going to touch on it too long, but we have both talked about on this podcast how the arrows kind of took a laissez-faire approach to their academy this summer so this is good news right like this is this is something that they could build towards strengthening the team right yeah absolutely this is, uh, this is fantastic news um the, yeah like the, uh, the 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 big club like the the arrows in mlr um they train at a couple different uh grounds throughout the city as well 
Um, so saying that they're going to, you know, do a West, an East and West uh, training isn't really that surprising because that's what the Arrows do anyways. Um, maybe maybe the Arrows have plans to change that going into uh, the next season, but that's what they did last year. Um, and I think, um, but yeah, I think, you know, you kind of see it like a- any MLR team that wants to create an academy program is like, it's a great idea. Um, you know, it gets some of the uh, the younger players um uh, within your area, you can get them involved in that, uh, you know, in the bit of that professional environment. Um, right now, like, you, you know what I mean? It's like, there's that kind of that gray area, right? It's like you have, there is a uh, handful of guys on the team that, you know, they, they were with the arrows, but it's like, they weren't really good enough to get into the lineup. Um, and you know, because of that, they didn't like, they didn't really play a whole lot of games, um, or they had next to no playing time. Um, so it's like if you can kind of develop that like second team and um, get, uh, you know, somewhat regular competition, it just it makes the entire organization better. Um, I really like that Corey Hector is going to be the coach of the um, of the developmental program. I think of uh, the academy program. Sorry. Um, that's I think that's a great idea to have, you know, because it's like Corey Hector being the assistant coach of the arrows and being the head coach of the academy program, he can start, you know, teaching those academy players the way the arrows want to play rugby at the major league rugby level. And it's like, you know, but whenever that, um, that young player ends up um, being ready to go make that jump to major league rugby, he's already like familiar with the system that the arrows want to play, um, whether it be Hector's attack or um, Aaron Carpenter's defense. Um, they can all, you know, they can all just kind of like work together and have those uh, guys playing in the same, the same style of rugby um, as they come up through the academy program and make the jump into the uh, major league rugby level. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a great point you just mentioned. We need consistency uh, in between the academy and the main team because you know injuries happen, and if you can have someone that knows the the structure that the team's going to play and have them pop right in, that's that's a great way uh, to set up your academy. And again, it gives more more young guys, especially guys that are you know at that level where they're not U20 anymore, they're done university rugby, this gives them a chance to continue their uh, rugby career other than just playing club rugby. Uh, so it's an exciting uh, announcement for rugby uh, in Canada, so we look forward to hearing more about that. Um, another piece of news, especially in the MLR world, is uh, one of the teams has rebranded. Uh, the Austin Elite are now known as the Austin Herd. Derek, do you like this? Do you not like this? Is this just kind of well, flashy I, change? I, it's just, yeah, you can't call your team Elite and then go 0-16, right? So yeah. uh, I think, you know, uh, at that point, yeah, I think the Herd is better, at least. Um, you know, you kind of you put some high expectations on yourself by calling your team the Elite. Um but uh, in all honesty, um, I like I do like the name the herd. Um, it kind of falls into uh, that one you know that one echelon of names that doesn't end in s but is actually still a plural term. Um, so I think that's kind of fun to use. Um, it's similar. It's along the same like you know the San Diego Legion. I really like that name for the same reason. It's uh, you know you found a uh, a found a like a plural word that doesn't end in s and actually makes sense to name your team. Um, you know it's it's great. Um, the Minnesota Wild, um, the, you know, as an example of a team that doesn't do that as well, because I'm not really sure what a wild is. I don't know if it's just the wilderness that they're supposed to be named after. But, um, but yeah, so I think I, I'm a fan of the herd. They did also change their logo 
Um, it's not really a huge change. It's just the uh, the bull's head is like that uh, um, powdered blue color as opposed to bright orange. Um, but I mean, I, I, honestly, uh, I, I actually like it. I think it's a better name than the elite, um, especially you know when you don't really live up to your name being elite. So I think when I hear Austin Elite, I think of like a CrossFit gym. So uh, the herd definitely like plays into that pack, you know, that, that rugby mentality, you know, a stampeding herd of, of, you know, rugby players. So I think it fits, yeah. fits what they're trying to do a little bit better. I like it. it it's also like, it sounds like a, like a Texas thing. It's Texan. Me. Yeah. Cows, like, bulls, it's Texas, you know? Yeah. Like you have like, like, I mean, they kind of, obviously they have the bull as their logo. It's like, you know, it's like the Texas Longhorns, Houston Texans, San Antonio Spurs. They all kind of have that, like, and Dallas Cowboys all kind of have that like cowboy-ish theme to it, um, um, with like bulls and all that. So I mean, it kind of blends. I I think for that reason too, if it, if calling um, you know the team the herd and kind of invoking like the image of like a bull or like cowboys or anything can help, you know, speak to the uh, the rugby community down in Texas or just you know the community in Texas as a whole. Um, I think you know that. Uh, that could help make it better. Um, ultimate, yeah. I mean, I was never a huge fan of the name Elite. Um, like, it doesn't like it. It almost sounds like a like a like a camp or something. Like you know, like a like a sports camp or like you said, CrossFit or something. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think the Austin Herd is it's an improvement for sure. So that's it, Austin. If you decide to go back to Elite, you need to run at least one summer camp a year. That's like required. <laughs> You know, uh, every team, every team should, you know, that's a great way to build branding. Run, run summer camps, teach kids rugby, do that. Well, I saw that. It's actually, uh, actually a good idea. I saw that Sam Windsor was going to, to high school teams and he was teaching kickers and football teams how to kick like a rugby player. So that's a pretty cool yeah, little, little thing that, that the, the Tiger uh, Sabercats are doing. Yeah, uh, the that's, last, that's, the that's last, what every team should be doing. The last bit of uh, news that we have about MLR is – the schedule is going to be announced in a few, in a few days. On uh, September the 23rd, we will be getting the uh, the new schedule for the uh, 2020 season. Uh, now, it is exciting because they will now have two divisions, the West and the East, and the addition of the new three teams. So it will definitely look a lot different than it did last year. Uh, so we're very excited to see that. And also that the first game will be a rematch of the, uh, the MLR final uh, two years in a row. Uh, last year it was Glendale versus the Seawolves, and now the Seawolves will be facing off against the Legion. Uh, so that is exciting. Uh, we we look forward to seeing the the roster, and we'll maybe talk about it on next episode. But uh, that's about it for uh, tonight's episode, everyone. Thank you for listening. Again, if you want to get more rugby goodness before this World Cup uh, starts, uh, you can go to uh, Derek's uh, Twitter page at Percent Four or the LaRouge Rugby on Twitter. We have tons of rugby information. Derek's been writing up a ton about uh, previewing Canada. So uh, look forward to the games this weekend, and we look forward to, in a week, Canada starting their, play, uh, their World Cup push.